Welcome to the Inspired by Adventure Podcast, Season 3, Unique Entrepreneurs. Here is your host, serial entrepreneur, Wayne Brown. Welcome to Inspired by Adventure, Season 3. I'm Wayne Brown, serial entrepreneur and this season's host. We'll be exploring the lives of fellow entrepreneurs, how they got started, what motivates them, and share their business experiences. Entrepreneurs are a different breed. We're risk takers, gut feeling drives a lot of our decisions, and we thrive on change. We've learned what it takes to surmount difficulties and create success, usually against all odds. The fact that we're all standing with our companies, evidence enough, we have a wealth of knowledge to share with all of you. Today, for episode one, we have our guest entrepreneur, Dean Trevellino, the Atlanta, Georgia-based PR firm, Trevellino Keller. Afternoon, Dean, and thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Wayne. Uh, thanks for having me. Looking forward to talking about entrepreneurship. Great. Well, let's, let's start a little, with uh, a little bit about your background, Dean, if you can, if you can uh, give us a brief history. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it's interesting, and I didn't think about it, um, you know, in the beginning as I was necessarily deciding to become an entrepreneur, but my father was an entrepreneur. He, he was, you know, the, the quintessential madman era of the 60s ad uh, industry. And, uh, you know, I watched him through, you know, the good and the bad um, times of being, uh, you know, an entrepreneur and thought, that's not something I ever want to do. I'll, I'll, I'll get it. I'll get a degree. I'll get a job and I'll work, you know, I'll work for the man or the woman. Um, and so that was the path I, I went down. I went and got my bachelor's degree, uh, thought I, you know, maybe would write a great novel. Uh, that didn't last very long, went um, right after got my master's and uh, you started looking for, for a job. And, um, you know, ironically, um, my first job was with an entrepreneur. He had a boutique PR agency in Atlanta. I had never been to Atlanta. Uh, he offered me a job. I, you know, jumped in the car and, and moved down here and, uh, uh, you know, started, started with him. You know, I, again, ironically, you know, the nature of being an entrepreneur is, uh, isn't always predictable, right? And so, Within six months of that move and that first job, you know, we had lost our biggest client, which was 40% of the business. And, uh, you know, the, the founder said, hey, I want you to stay, um, uh, but I'm going to let everyone else go. And uh, that means you're going to need to do everything. And, and that felt, uh, even though I was young, it felt like a step backwards. And so... Um, I, you know, left there, went to the next agency, which was also entrepreneurial, um, uh, but it had just been acquired. And so over the next couple of years, I would see the, the transition from working in an entrepreneurial environment to working in a more corporate, publicly uh, traded environment, even though I was still in an agency. Um, and so, you know, I, I stayed in that, uh, in that environment really for the next 15 years thinking, um, you know, I was on this path of, of, you know, rising up in my career, but 
taking the check every week and being happy with that. Sure. So that was that was kind of you know how I got started in the industry anyway. Well, how did how did uh, Trevolino Keller come about? So um, you know we had gone through dot com. It was a wild ride. We worked with uh, you know a great many entrepreneurs, people who founded companies like Earthlink and WebMD and Broadcast.com. And uh, it, it was a lot of, you know, it was, it was an exciting uh, time to be in our industry. Uh, but then we know .com kind of imploded. And, you know, when you're in an agency, uh, you know, you're either running an office, running a practice or running large clients. And when the industry begins to suffer, uh, if you're not tied to the revenue, um, you, you become vulnerable, right? And so I felt um, I was feeling a little vulnerable around 2002 uh, for the first time in my career and thought, you know, I, this, this may be the push I need to go off and do my own thing. And so I, you know, put a business plan together was kind of thinking about the timing and, um, you know, colleague of mine who I had worked with briefly years before, but we knew each other really well and had been together for the last five years, you know, walked into my office and said, you know, I'm not feeling really good about the direction of things. Um, she said, what do you think we should do? And I, I, you know, opened up my business plan on my, you know, on my laptop and said, here's what I'm going to do. And I'm, I'll put your name on it and we'll go do it together. And she said, yeah, let's go do it. And so that's how, you know, we started the agency uh, in 2003. That's great. That's great. Well, you know, a lot of uh, business owners, especially the younger ones, might not know exactly what a PR firm uh, is and yeah. can do for them. So can you give us a little uh, uh, 101 on uh, exactly what a PR firm is? Yeah, so you know, we we try to think of ourselves as, um, you know, more of a, you know, we're a service firm that is trying to help companies engage with their constituents, right? So whether we do that uh, from a public relations standpoint, a, a marketing standpoint, a creative standpoint. Um, the more uh, capabilities we have, the more ways we can reach them. And, you know, here we are in 2021 and, uh, you know, the people get their information from a lot of different ways and, and there's varying degrees of credibility uh, as well as we've seen in recent, in the last, you know, two years or so, um, varying degrees of trust in, in, of the, of the sources they're getting it from. Right. So, you know, from a PR standpoint, we spend a lot of time helping companies tell their story to traditional media, whether that's their media in their community, uh, you know, networks, print media, radio, uh, or, um, or even, you know, the, the growth of bloggers and, and influencers, right? And so that's kind of the PR side. Some of that is introducing products or services. Uh, some of that is um, uh, just creating our own content that allows us to kind of own our own voice. 
Um, then there's the marketing side, right? And so we have to think about social media channels. We have to think about email. Again, however you're getting your information. Um, and so for us, we've always kind of thought we need to make sure that we don't have any barriers to reaching people. Uh, and so that's why we kind of expand it over the years to have um, not just a public relations arm, but a marketing arm. And then that third piece, which we think is critical is, uh, you know, the content, uh, it, it needs to resonate. It needs to kind of have a cool factor. No one wants to, you know, get into or spend time with information that they don't think is relevant to them, either in tone or personality or imagery. And so that creative side of the business um, really kind of um, drives what we put out from a public relations standpoint or even a, even a marketing standpoint. Yeah, I would, I would think um, in today's world where um, there's so many channels where people get their information from that it, it, it's become even more critical to have a PR firm to help you navigate um, how to access all those many, many channels that are out there. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think, uh, you know, you can, you can decide to go down one path only. You know, I think the companies that are uh, most successful have realized that there is a place and a time and a role for public relations. Uh, but they also need to appreciate that uh, it's a slower medium in terms of results because we don't control, um, you know, the timeliness of when reporters, you know, decide to cover um, cover news. And, and a lot of news that happens is not um, time sensitive. It's more evergreen, right? So uh, if you have a greater sense of urgency to communicate something, that's where you kind of lean on social media and more paid, you know, media outlets. Uh, but, you know, the, the agency uh, or even the internal communications department needs to be thinking about what's the best discipline for me to tap into based on what the, 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 the goal is of the, or the, you know, the challenge. Yep. I, I agree. I agree completely. So uh, one of the unlucky things about having a business-oriented mindset is, is that we, we all tend to be very creative people. Um, a lot of times we're called jack-of-all-trades. And so every day we're developing all these great business thoughts and, and how we um, want to go about executing them and all of them as soon as possible, all of them at the same time, uh, which is, is obviously not, uh, not, not possible. Um, so with all these new ideas, it, it can be difficult to figure out which ones to zero in and, and concentrate on. So every entrepreneur goes through this constantly. So how do you determine, Dean, which of these great ideas that you come up with every day to, to focus on? Uh, yeah, so I think, you know, for us, you know, like, like many entrepreneurs, you know, we're, we're trying to stay out in front of the masses, right? If we, if we, uh, if we get to the party late with, with a product or a service, um, because maybe we were we were too focused on just running the business, then you know we've missed an opportunity to, ha to kind of have a competitive advantage. Uh, so you know the to us uh, it seems like the you know what served us well in knowing 
how we need to get out front is is you know really listening to clients and understanding uh you know what either what their pain points are or uh if they're telling us something uh that we may be amiss in so for example um you know maybe they need uh better metrics in order to take it upstairs to the c-suite to get the kind of budgets they want to be able to move the needle and so uh we may be thinking all along you know we're we've got great you know metrics uh we're packaging things up we're seeing results but if we're really listening then they're telling us yeah we need, we need to come up with something new. And so we either then need to look at the marketplace to see if there's some new tool or, or technology. Is it something we white label or, you know, even this week we're talking about, you know, do we invest in, uh, in a software solution uh, that puts us out in front, you know, of the competition? Sure, sure. Well, you know, a business that uh, never grows is is obviously slowly sinking. Um, and if you want to sustain your even your current level of progress, you need to have a growth strategy to to keep up with the economy and and, and changing demographics. And you know, I never set goals for myself and any of my businesses in terms of sales and profit or or you know where I want to be in five or ten years. I just tried to make sure I grew um, uh, with with the best uh, team that I had and and took care of my customers. And luckily that, that uh, has paid off, but wh which one do you, do you employ? Do you set out these, these uh, specific goals or do you just try to, to manage uh, your customers and hopefully the return comes? Yeah, I, kind of a little of both. And I think we've have, um, you know, maybe even flipped uh, the way we look at uh, success uh, from, you know, where we were in, in the early years, I'd say we were a little, uh, maybe a little more relaxed in terms of setting hard, fast goals. Uh, we were in the beginning driven by uh, profitability and not so much driven by revenue goals. So we set a profitability goal and we said, let's make sure that we don't try to add staff or operating expenses uh, so much that we cannibalize profitability. And so that kind of served us well because we were profitable since we started. But then we did get to a point, particularly over the last few years, where we're large enough that we're more focused on revenue. Uh, we don't need to keep trying to increase our profitability percentages. Um, we're, if we just maintain the profitability percentage and revenue grows, then everyone's going to make more money. And so that's kind of how we just kind of flipped it a little bit. So, uh, so that we are more, uh, again, kind of revenue driven. Uh, we do set uh, some stretch goals three and five years out. Those are always moving, um, you know, based on the year and the circumstance. So I'd say we're, you know, probably somewhere in the middle in, in you know, setting some goals, but not you know, being either overzealous or too regimented about it. Sure, sure. Yeah, I've, I've spoke to a lot of uh, other entrepreneurs and, you know, some of them uh, love those hard uh, numbers where they want to reach every year or every three years or five years and are excited when they they um, uh, exceed those numbers. And I'm always, you know, the mindset, well, maybe you could have done even better than what you, you know, what you exceeded if you 
you know, did you, did you stop growing when you, when you made that number you set down, you know, for the year? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's always a, a tough call to decide, you know, which, uh, which one to concentrate on. Um, you, you know, when, when you're in business for yourself, um, you're going to make mistakes. So you're going to be blunders, you know, it's just inescapable. Yeah. And the best entrepreneurs are not afraid to make mistakes, but, but we all use them as building blocks for future success. So what are some of the areas that other business owners that are listening here should pay closer attention to so they can avoid any unnecessary problems? Yeah, I mean, at least, at least from us, uh, from our perspective, what served us well is, you know, to just to put a high priority on the team. Um, you know, when we started, uh, we did what uh, I think fewer uh, agencies, even, even professional service firms do in the beginning, which is to make a bigger investment in uh, higher caliber people um, in, in the beginning. And otherwise, you know, you're, uh, you've got to lead the company and service it when, when you've started with more junior, junior staff and, uh, you know, two, two principles. So, um, and I also think that that's a, that's a slower build in terms of growth, um, because, you know, without the depth of experience servicing the business, um, you, you just, you can't bring it in that fast. Otherwise you're going to, you're going to, you're going to ruin your reputation. So, you know, we always, um, felt that, that the team part was really critical. And, you know, the other benefit that again has served us well is, if you, if you start with that higher level of expertise on your team, then you empower them to incubate the next group of folks who come in. And then, you know, then it becomes a really, you know, scalable model. Um, I think hand in hand with that piece is, is the culture side. Um, I think too often, uh, you know, business owners or entrepreneurs don't realize the importance of, um, you know, establishing a culture and, uh, you know, that, that culture is what's going to drive retention. Otherwise, you know, you're constantly, you know, churning staff, losing intellectual capital and spending way too much time onboarding, you know, new people. Um, you know, we always say kind of, there's a direct relationship between, uh, you know, staff retention and client retention. Um, and that doesn't mean that you're not going to have change. Um, sometimes change is good. Sometimes, you know, you've got 90% of your workforce moving very quickly and 10% that can't keep up. And so you've got to, you got to, you know, make some changes, make those hard decisions. I also think that in the coming year, uh, talent is going to be we're going to get into one of those periods of time where finding good talent is going to be really challenging. Uh, and so I know in our industry, we're already beginning to see that middle level person uh, is, is difficult to find. And so we're putting resources against it really for the first time in 18 years where we're marketing to talent. <clears throat> Yeah, I see that um, with um, almost every business here in uh, our area that um, everybody's struggling to get 
not only just bodies in the door to, to staff their, their yeah. business, but to get capable bodies in there that, that can produce for them. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, you know, most entrepreneurs eventually learn uh, what we all have learned, which is the banker's motto. And the banker's motto is we'll gladly loan you an umbrella, but if it rains, we want it back. Yeah. So uh, it, it is, we're not here to bash bankers, but it's, it's a reality of, of being a biz, business yeah. owner. Um, and so they, everybody needs to be able to, to manage the pitfalls of, of financial leverage. And so what advice would you give uh, to, uh, to new entrepreneurs on financing and, and when it may or it may not be appropriate? Yeah, I mean, we, we certainly contemplated um, raising money or taking money uh, or, or pursuing a traditional loan when we started it. And, you know, we had been around uh, other businesses that, that had, and we certainly knew that model. We knew the, you know, the, uh, the you know, benefits and, 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 you know, potential downside of, you know, when you take someone's money, you, you give up some authority, right? And, and that seemed, at least for us, a little bit in conflict with the whole idea of, you know, being an entrepreneur. Um, although I know that, you know, if you're, if you're trying to rapidly grow, disrupt industry segments, you, you gotta, you need someone's money to help you do that. Um, but, you know, our approach was, you know, I would rather, uh, not take a salary for six months, uh, in order to fund the people that I need and then let the business catch up and, uh, you know, and cover, cover, um, you know, ultimately everyone, everyone's salaries. The other thing that we did um, as a way to, to uh, create some equity that if we needed to in the future or during tough times, like a 2008 recession, we would have a backup. And that was uh, to, to own our, our, our space and get a traditional loan to buy the space um, but not be, you know, not be held hostage, so to speak, um, with, with an investor or, an, or a lender. And, you know, that strategy, strategy served us, you know, really well because we ultimately owned two spaces uh, over the first 15 years and had equity that we could tap into if, if we needed to. Fortunately, we, we never did, but we were able to eventually, you know, sell those and have that that equity in the bank as we continued to run and grow the agency. Yeah, when I, when I was first building my restaurant business, I used to always cringe when, when bankers would, would court me and say they want to be my partner. And yeah. I, I always ask them, well, you know, a partner means when, you know, when things are tough and I need money, you're going to give me more, right? Yeah. Of course, yeah. That, you know, that never works with a bank. You know, they only loan you money when you don't need it. Right. Um, well, you know, the, the business world is not always a, a, a pleasant one, although we, we love being in it. Um, there's always, always um, issues we deal with every day. And any, any salty owner who has lived to tell their story will have multiple tales about managing um, adversity and self-doubt and doubt from others. Yeah. What keeps you inspired to get through the tough times um, that we have had and are going to have in the future that help you keep your head up and, and keep moving forward? Yeah. Um, so when uh, when we launched, um, you know, they say 
you know, launching in a recession is actually a really great time. And, uh, and that's what we, that's what we did. Um, in, in part, because we, we, again, like I said earlier, we felt like we needed to, you know, get out there and control our own destiny. Um, two, I think the reason that, uh, you know, that sentiment is out there is because, you know, in a, in a recessionary time, as we're seeing right now, uh, there's, there's um, a lot of um, change in the market, right? You have a lot of businesses that close, um, or in our, in our case, uh, a lot of the, the larger firms were shedding their technology practices because they were so, um, you know, disappointed and frustrated by what dot-com did to their business. They said, I don't have anything to do with technology. And so we knew or felt like uh, at least the technology was going to come back and come back strong. And so, you know, we launched, um, you know, against, against uh, you know, everyone's better uh, advice on, on the timing. Um, within, you know, the first year of having started that firm, uh, I lost my home to a flood. And, wow. um, you know, that was a huge distraction uh, because you've got to figure out one, where, where do you live while you don't have a home with a family? And two, how do you, um, you know, recoup that? Because, you know, back to the bank conversation, that bank doesn't care that you don't have a home on that spot anymore. They're still charging you your mortgage, right? Exactly. Um, and, uh, you know, a few months after that, my business partner went on maternity leave. So the first year was really, you know, interesting. We certainly had, you know, adversity to, um, you know, kind of work through. Um, but, you know, we, for whatever reason, um, felt enormously confident in what we were doing and what we intended to do in terms of growth. And uh, we just put our head down and, and uh, you know, managed to get to a point of critical mass. Uh, of course, then, you know, the Great Recession hit uh, in 2008 and 2009. And, you know, we, were, we had enough momentum uh, that we did not let it um, really distract us or phase us. We just kept doing, you know, what we do. Um, and I think, you know, some of that is, you know, back to team, back to culture, back to, you know, the DNA of your organization. And ours is, uh, you know, incredibly driven, you know, we're a competitive bunch and, uh, you know, we don't, you know, we don't get worked up when we lose. We know we're going to lose some, some, uh, opportunities, uh, but we never lose and, you know, move on. We look at it and say, okay, whatever we did, we've got to be able to do that better next time. And, uh, and then, and then, you know, we have to, we have to move very quickly to figure that out so that we don't lose again and say, you know what, we didn't do anything on after that last uh, loss. So, you know, I think some of it is just, it's the drive that helps us overcome adversity. Certainly the last 15 months have been some of the, you know, greatest adversity that any of us have faced in our lifetimes. Right. And you know, we, uh, you know, may, may have been a little bit uh, concerned those first couple of months because it was so new. 
Um, but, you know, I would say come June, uh, you know, we were right back to let's just get it done, do whatever it takes. We're dynamic enough. And, you know, we're looking back now on our greatest, you know, 15 months in the last 18 years. You know, in um, the past 35 years, I've obviously been through a lot of um, business hiccups, you know, mostly from external forces that you can't control. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I've always um, told myself, I know there's there's uh, things I can do that uh, will get me through this successfully. I just haven't thought of them yet. So I'm going to yeah. go in early today <laughs> and, and see how many how many uh, thoughts I can come up with and try to implement and um, and make through it. Yeah, and you know that that's an excellent point because you know I think part of the 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 reason why the last and probably not the last uh, four or five months, but you know those first nine ten months were so exhausting because you you know in terms of brain power you've got to be thinking about how to keep the business going and then you've got to you know, peel away some of that time and mind share to figure out how you're going to pivot or how you're going to come up with something that you hadn't figured out yet, uh, but you don't have a whole lot of time. You've got to come up with it uh, so that you you do have another revenue stream. Um, uh, and so, yeah, that, that was, uh, uh, it's been, it's been quite, a, quite a, a ride the last uh, 15 months. Absolutely. Um, you know, there's a lot of business um, advice books uh, out there. Have, has there been any you found along the way that you'd recommend uh, for young entrepreneurs? Yeah, you know, I'm 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 um, I'm not a huge uh, fan of business advice books. I know there are great ones out there. Uh, I tend to try to, um, you know, read just a, a whole range of books that you know will give me some takeaway. Uh, we've got a program we started years ago in the office um, called Read to Lead that, uh, you know, we've got a library, we add to that library and the whole idea is to, um, you know, inspire people to read different types of books. Don't just get on a beach and read, uh, you know, something that uh, is gonna, you know, relax your brain and you're not going to, you know, take anything away from it. Um, and so we have, you know, really compelling library, but, but there is one I just finished that I think is as good uh, of a book for an entrepreneur as anything out there um, called Liftoff. It just came out. Uh, Eric Berger is the author, and it is about the early days of SpaceX. And, uh, and, you know, the kinds of things that Elon Musk did in order to create that company and, you know, disrupt an, an industry. Um, uh, it, it's just, it's really, it's an amazing read. It's an amazing story. Uh, and it's not, I don't think, you know, everything that people would think, because I think people have a, you know, a strong opinion about um, Elon Musk and his uh, kind of approach to, you know, his employees and people, a little like people's perception of Steve Jobs. Um, but it, it, it's definitely worth a read if you're an entrepreneur trying to start a company. Yeah, I've always been more of a fan of reading um, 
the stories behind the companies. So like Hobby Lobby or Dollar General, um, you know, those are just amazing stories that they're not trying to feed you advice or just telling you, hey, this is what we did, how we started, how we made yeah. it, how, how we become successful. And I think, yeah. you know, a lot of people will get more out of those than reading books that are written specifically to give you page after page of, of, of how you should um, be uh, managing your business. And, and that's actually what inspired me and motivated me to create this season three of Inspired by Venture, to talk to entrepreneurs like yourself and just hearing the stories and then let people decide, you know, what applies to them and, and what they can get out of it. Yeah, there's a quote. I used it. Um, we did a little boot camp for some new folks to join. And I, I started it off with a quote uh, from Elon Musk. Because um, he, uh, he, in the beginning, and the beginning being like the first several years, he interviewed every person who came into that organization, like 3,000 people. It's just remarkable. Um, uh, but he admitted later on that he put too much emphasis on the skill set and not enough emphasis on whether they had a good heart. And uh, I thought that was really, you know, interesting, again, given my what my, was my perception of him. Uh, but I think there's a lot to be said. Um, because without that, uh, you know, you, you, you kind of raise havoc inside an organization, particularly one that's growing quickly. Yeah, with with um, uh, we had a little uh, uh, training that we created for restaurant managers when I had the restaurant business. And it was all about, uh, it was called border attitude. And it was teaching the managers that you could teach almost anybody to do anything, but you're not going to change their attitude. So when you're interviewing people, make sure that they're a good fit from an attitude standpoint and yeah. then, and then try to teach them what they need to learn. Yeah, totally, totally agree. We say, you know, we're an egoless agency. If you can't leave your ego at the door, this is not the place. Perfect. Um, for yourself, are there websites or e-newsletters or newspapers that you um, you read daily or weekly to start your day out? Yeah, I mean, I you know, I I I, I plow through a lot of different newsletters. Um, you know, I look at you know simple stuff like the skim, the recount. Um, you know, I, I tend to get uh, uh, insights from, you know, what different organizations put out that I think are really good for entrepreneurs. And obviously there's the kind of traditional organizations like Vistage and EO, they put out a lot of great content. Um, High Rise Networks is kind of a rising uh, uh, network for entrepreneurs to, to join and get you know, they have a lot of great learning modules in there. Uh, another one that's really um, progressive, uh, it's called Collective 54. Um, that's worth, you know, entrepreneurs, uh, you know, actually looking at, in, you know, thinking about becoming a member, uh, because then you get community too, and, and um, uh, not just content. So just things for, you know, for people to look at. Great, great. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up. Is there any uh, last uh, words of advice and uh, wisdom you want to you want to give us? Yeah, you know, I kind of leave you with with uh, you know two two thoughts. Um, and you know, I've heard other people say the same thing, but you know, sometimes we love our job, we love our career, and you know, we get really comfortable 
uh, like I was saying in the beginning, I never had a, you know, inclination to become an entrepreneur. I really enjoyed what I was doing and who I was doing it with. Um, but there's, there's nothing more liberating than going out on your own and starting your own um, business. Uh, you know, regardless of how much you love what you're doing or how much money you think you may be making, um, going out there and, and trying it, uh, even if you fail, just to, to, to do it. Um, and then, you know, I think the other flip side to that is, you know, if you decide to be an entrepreneur, um, you know, don't do it just for the money. Make sure you love doing what you're doing, whether that's the subject matter, the product, or the people. Uh, because if you if you don't love that, then you've kind of, you know, um, you know, missed the opportunity for what it means to be, you know, an entrepreneur. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Dean, thanks for your time today, and uh, look forward to us speaking to you again. All right, thanks, Wayne. Enjoy. Thanks for tuning into the Inspired by Adventure podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you haven't already, please subscribe through iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next time.